Ah, bless the name of the Lord. Thank you, choir, orchestra. Take your Bible, go to 1 Corinthians today with uh, me, and I will read and ask you to follow along as we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and we'll begin reading in verse 17 in a moment, and read down through verse 28. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 17. How excellent is the name of the Lord. Amen and amen. Tonight, we're going to gather around the Lord's table, and that will be the centerpiece of our evening service. And tonight, uh, we'll partake of the Lord's Supper. This morning, I want to preach about it, get our heart ready for what we will do in the evening service at 5.30 for family gathering. Uh, we'll do many, many things, and we'll conclude tonight uh, around the Lord's table. And I want to encourage you to come and be here uh, in this place at 5.30. We'll have a great gathering time. So you join me here, and we will worship the Lord. Paul writes concerning uh, the Lord's table, uh, and I want us to read about it. You follow along as I read from 1 Corinthians 11, beginning in verse 17. And we find Paul saying these words. But in giving this instruction... I do not praise you because you've come together not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that divisions exist among you, and in part, I believe it. For there must also be factions among you, so that those who are approved may become evident among you. Therefore, when you meet together, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in your eating, each one takes his own supper first, and one is hungry and another is drunk. What? Do you not have houses in which to eat and drink? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? In this, I will not praise you. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. The Lord's table is a memorial, it is a picture, it is a drama, if you will. It speaks of the broken body of our Lord with the bread, his spilt blood with the cup. There are two pictures in the New Testament, uh, the Lord's table and baptism. Both memorials, pictures. We, we have many memorials around us, 
we see those pictures and we remember them. Uh, anybody who's been to New York has either gone out to or seen from the shore the Statue of Liberty. It's a memorial. It was a gift to our nation from the nation France. When you see Lady Liberty, she's lifting that lamp, that light next to the shore. And if you go around on the backside, you will see that she is walking. She is taking a step and she is stepping on broken chains where slavery has been broken around the world. And people in freedom have come to these shores. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses, yearning to breathe free. The refuse she speaks of, coming, not illegally, but legally. Coming, not sneaking in, but coming to a land of liberty with opportunity and responsibility. And she lifts that lamp next to the door for people to come. It's a memorial. We remember. It says something about liberty, about democracy, about freedom. And when we see it, it is a symbol. And we get the idea of that freedom that is there. This month, we had Martin Luther King's birthday, and next month you'll hear more about that. And in Washington, if you've been there to see the Martin Luther King statue, uh, you see that statue that's there. It's a uh, tall, it's, it's mammoth in size, and many of his quotes have been etched in granite uh, around that uh, statue and his time of death, of course, we've just commemorated. And that that uh, you'll find there. Uh, that uh, a man is not to have his value or be known by the color of his skin, but the content of his character. And we lift that up. It's, it's a memorial. It's so we remember that it's not about skin. It's about spirit. It's not about color. It's about character. And King helps us with that. We, we Remember, it's a memorial. You go to the Capitol, and you find this tallest building in Washington. It's law that no building can be taller than the Washington Monument. That monument is there to the first president, but really not to the first president, but to General Washington, who marched us through revolution, brought liberty, and that monument is there to General Washington, the town named, and of course he becoming president. And what very few people ever see or know is, is what's on that capstone. The highest thing in Washington says, praise to the Lord in Latin. Praise the Lord that we offer praise to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And it's there as a memorial. We, we remember when we see that. We remember Washington. We remember crossing the river. We remember revolution and uh, freedom. Those are memorials. This table 
in some way is like that. It's something you see and you remember. There's a memorial here in Pensacola. Uh, it's down on the beach. It's an old wooden cross. It's or a, a concrete cross that's there. It's amazing to me it's never blown away. She just keeps standing. The other stuff blows away, but that old concrete, it just stays there. Why, why is that cross there? It's because the first thing that ever happened on the shores of the white beaches of the Gulf Coast way back 1500s is when our Catholic friends came for the first time and they set foot on that shore. They rolled out a table and they had the Lord's Supper. They had communion. They poured the cup. They broke the bread. It's a memorial. Pensacola, that first place. I believe that's one of the reasons there's been such a war over the Gulf Coast area for religious liberty is because the first thing that happens, people set foot here, is they raise the name of Christ. You go to the old maps over and look at Mobile, Alabama. When you drive from here to Mobile, you go across what's called Mobile Bay. Go to the early maps, it was not called Mobile Bay. It was called Holy Spirit Bay. That's what they named it to start with. It's the Holy Spirit Bay. It was all around. The memorial, it, it's there. Well, as we come to this table tonight, I want to preach about it. And that verse that's on the front, do this in remembrance of me. As often as you do it, remember some things. This table should press to our memory items that we never, should let slip away. And it's those items I want us to look at for just a few moments this morning. What do we remember when we remember the Lord's Supper? Now, there are two pictures. There are two, tra two dramas in, in the local church. The first one is baptism. If you've never been baptized, I'm praying you'd come let me know because I would love for somebody to be baptized tonight before we take the Lord's Supper. And right now, I don't have anybody ready for that service. And if you are one that should do that, you ought to come. And you know that picture. We, we lower you into the water. It speaks of death. It speaks of Jesus dying. It speaks of him being buried. And, and then we raise you out of that water, and it speaks of Jesus' resurrection and our new life. Dying with Christ, raised with Christ. It's like when you die and they bury you out here in a graveyard somewhere. You know, we, we always put the feet to the east, head to the west. It's a picture so that when Jesus comes from the east, you sit up and you see him coming. I was out at the graveyard not long ago. And one of our ladies who's a member of our church here, I call her Holy Sandpaper. She aggravates me and I aggravate her. And we have a lot of fun. We have all these many years. And aggravation is her spiritual gift. She came to me that day. She said, Pastor, is it true that, that when they put that in the ground, that their feet's to the east and their head to the west? I said, yes, that's the way. I said, it's a symbol. It's memorializing. It's, it helps us remember Jesus is coming across that bay from the east. And, and when he comes, he'll shout. We'll sit up. We see him coming. That's the picture that's there. 
She said, oh, I've already heard that. I wasn't for sure. I said, well, I'm going to tell you what. I'm making you a promise right now. I told her this. I said, I'm making you a promise. If I outlive you and if I do your funeral, I'm going to turn you backwards so the Lord have to hunt you when he comes. Amen. <laughs> you won't be able to see him. You, you, you have your feet in the wrong direction. She said, you'd do such a thing, wouldn't you? I said, I will. I, I'm making you a promise. Amen. I put my hand on my Bible right now. I'm telling you, I'll do it. We laughed about that. The picture is, is that of the Lord coming. This table is that second drama of the broken body and shed blood of our Lord. Some churches do it every Sunday, and I've had people ask us here, well, why don't you do it every Sunday? I said, well, some things you do every Sunday uh, can become kind of routine. And I said, I think it's better if we have a little time in between. It just puts a little inspiration into the Lord's Supper, in my opinion. But he didn't tell us how often to do it. He just said, as often as you do it, do this in remembrance of me. So whether you do it once a month, once a week, once a day, uh, once a year, as often as you do it, you do it, as the table says, in remembrance. It's our key word this morning for just a What is it we should remember? I want you to look in this text I've just read, and I want you to see three items of remembrance. First of all, this table should speak volumes to us, and we should remember the victory of the cross. Remember the victory of the cross, the body and the blood of Jesus. Verse 26 says in this text, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's what? Death until he comes. It's his death. The victory is in the death. Verse 25, it says in the same way, he took the cup after the supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. This is the new covenant, the new agreement, the new arrangement. If you, there was an old arrangement in Exodus 24. When you read the 24th chapter of Exodus, you, you find the old covenant. There was a book of the covenant, and there was the blood of the covenant. The book was the Old Testament law. The blood was the blood of lambs and bulls and goats. But now there is a new covenant. There's a new book. It's the New Testament. There is the new blood. It's the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, hey friend, never, ever, don't ever forget to cross. There's victory. In the cross. That's why we put a cross on the top of this building. Because there's victory in the cross. That's why we have these crosses. There's victory in the cross. I was going down I 10 the other day. I sent my friend at Baptist Hospital and Oda. I noticed they were uh, they're gonna put a big cross on that Baptist hospital down there. I said, Amen. I sent him a note. I said, Lift it high and light it up. Amen. The cross, it, it, it's, it's a symbol, but it, behind it, don't forget what happened. There is victory. Friend, that victory is the forgiveness of your sin. You will never go to heaven. You will never have your sin forgiven. You, you'll never know peace without the cross. The cross. There is victory in the cross. When we come to this table, remember the victory of the cross. But secondly, not only remember the victory of the cross, remember the unity of the church. 
This table speaks of the unity of the bride of Christ. Notice if you go back one chapter, in chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians, and you read verse 17. Chapter 10 and verse 17, uh, the Bible uh, tells us, since there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of one bread. There it is, one bread, one body, we are together. In 1 Corinthians 12, in verse 13, we find, uh, for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether we Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, we were all made to drink of one spirit. We were, uh, that's not talking water baptism there, he's speaking of spirit baptism. Uh, God takes the Jew and the Gentile. He takes the religious and the non-religious and they come running to the cross and is there he immerses them in grace. And we that are many are made one. We're made one. We're made one together. It's the unity of the church. It's why many use the word communion for this table, for the Lord's Supper. It is community. It is our theme word for 2022 that we are bringing community together. Uh, there is oneness. There is unity in Christ. Ephesians, Paul said, keep the unity. Be diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Our, ours is, is to keep the unity as we come together in Christ. Amen. There is to be. And don't you dare divide this church. This church is more important than you are. The testimony of the vocal body is, is just powerful in the community when, when, when Jew and Gentile, black and white and all come, come together under Christ. We that are many have become one. Remember the unity of the church. One. We, uh, every Sunday morning, I call the staff out. I said, tell me who you shared Jesus with this week. So we're going around the table this morning talking. One of our staff members has been, uh, have Muslim friends in the community and They've been coming over, and they get with him, and so uh, they, they've been talking about the things of the faith. Hallelujah. Would to God that these people would come to faith in Christ, and we that are many be one. I said, hey, I, I had a great opportunity on uh, Friday afternoon. I, I went up to my hometown, Pisgah, served for my 50th high school reunion. Went a little early and drove by the old store site. Store's gone. Demolished. They're putting up a family dollar store. Don't you know? They tore it down. My daddy had a grocery store there since 1961. Just up and gone. So I pulled in. I got out my phone. I started making a few pictures. The guy came walking quickly toward me. He said, sir, sir. I said, yes. He said, can I help you? I said, well, no, I'm, I'm fine. He said, do you have anything to do with, with this project? <laughs> I said, sir, if it wasn't for me, you wouldn't be here. 
I said, you don't know how important I am to this project you're doing. He said, what? And so I began to tell him the story. He, he come to find out he's a construction guy from Orlando. He's in North Alabama of all places building two of these family dollar stores. One there right on the side of where my, and he said, what do you do? Well, open the gate and come on in. Hallelujah. Amen. And so I shared Christ with him. I found out he's a Christian from Orlando. And, and before we left, he said, you know, Pastor, I don't believe it was just coincidence that brought us together here today. I said, no, I don't either. See, we that were many are now one. We got ready to leave. And I told him, I said, you better build that store right. I said, there's a little lady down there in Pensacola. I said, she come here and beat your eyes out if you do this wrong. All right. So you better do it right. We laughed together and had a great fellowship time. It, it's amazing. You find people that are in the faith. It, it, it brings the unity. Let, let me tell you, it, and sometimes it's easier to get along with a Christian from Orlando than it is the guy across the street. That's why he says, be diligent to preserve the unity. You must fight to keep the unity. To use those words that are really opposite from each other, but we diligent in keeping the unity of the bond of peace. When you come to this table, remember the victory of the cross. When you come to this table tonight or any other time, remember the unity of the church. But thirdly, always when you come, remember the purity of the Christian. The purity of the Christian. Paul said in verse 28 that when we come, a man must examine himself. And in doing so, he's to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Examine yourself. Look right here, everybody. Turn your phone upside down. Turn around and look right here at me. Examine yourself. I want, you to, I want to ask you a question today. We're coming to this table tonight. Are you a saved man or woman right now? Anybody here going to heaven when you die? Anybody here know that you know? Examine yourself if you are in Christ. I didn't ask you if you was a church member. I asked you if he's in Christ. I didn't ask you if you've been baptized. I asked you if you've been baptized by the Spirit into Christ. Examine yourself. Are you saved? Thursday night of this week, I was in Birmingham and doing the 30th wedding renewal for a dear friend. So many good friends were there. We had a great time. One gentleman was there. His name is Tom. Tom and I went to college together in Birmingham. He was the worst reprobate I'd ever met. The most ungodly student at Samford I ever knew. He had a naked girl pop out of a cake at a reception for the president of the school. He did it. And he would have absolutely been kicked out of school had it not been for some people intervening on his behalf. And Tom later met Cindy. They're married now over 40 years. And Cindy 
led Tom to faith in Christ. She was only there one year. Then Kevin, she moved back to go to school to the University of Georgia. She said, I didn't come here to marry Tom. I just came to live for Christ. And she shared the gospel, and old Tom got gloriously saved. He had the most powerful testimony, just as he had been the most wicked man on campus. Now he became that man that everybody had. Man, if Jesus changed old Tom, he didn't change anybody here. Later, God called him to preach, made a Presbyterian preacher out of him. He just recently is stepped away from full-time work and gone into a part-time and he's still doing the ministry and uh, God's been good to him, raised him up, uses him to encourage others. He encouraged me that night. So we got together and we just talked about the things of grace. Glory to God. I don't, what I'm telling you is I don't know who you are in this room today or who's online, looking, but I'm here to tell you, I don't care what you've done. Jesus is larger and more loving than any sinfulness you can fall into. His grace is deep and the well you draw from will save you examine yourself tell me right now are you saved yes or no if you've never professed faith in Christ you don't know him when we sing a song in a minute I want you to come take me by and say pastor I need Jesus today examine yourself salvation second sanctification examine yourself not only are you in Christ, but is the Spirit of the living God living in you? Are you filled with the Spirit of God? Are you dead to yourself and alive to Christ? That's the sanctification test. You dare not come to this table if you have known sin in your life you've not dealt with. If there's a brother or sister that you're at odds, you need to go make that right before you come here. You, you heard Paul. He, he said, I'm not commending you. I'm not praising you. I hear that uh, there are factions among you. He said, don't let it be. Let people examine themselves. In 1976, I pastored New Lebanon Baptist Church in Odenville, Alabama. In December of that year, I married my wife. She moved out on the little church field with me. Liz became the choir director at New Lebanon. We had somebody, but they weren't really good. Uh, they just tried a little. They didn't know if they could read music or whatnot. It was kind of hard. But she could sing and play the piano. And so she put two pews together, and we started a little choir, eight, ten people in that choir. They'd sing. The other guy would lead the music, and Liz would lead the choir. We came to church one Sunday morning. We were driving up. She said, I think you're going to really like the choir number today. I said, oh, good. I said, she said, I don't know if you know the song. Now, you have to understand, my wife uh, was a city Christian. I was a country Christian. They sang out of a certain kind of book, and we sang out of a different kind of book. They had city hymnals. We had red back heavenly highway. We, we beat a drum and used a guitar, and they used an organ and a piano. And went, hmm. She said, we're going to sing an old song today. She said, I don't think you've ever heard it. She began to sing, and I'd never heard the song. The title... I don't 
remember we've ever done it here. I can't remember any other church we've ever done this song. Nothing between my soul and the Savior. I'm telling you, you look at those words, they're powerful. Not my pride, not my prejudice. Nothing between my soul and the Savior. Friend, that's the sanctification test. Is there anything between you, your soul, and the Savior? If there is, friend, you've got to remove it before you're ready to come to the table. If you'll confess your sin to God, He's faithful just to forgive your sin, cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Remember the purity. Be pure and clean as you come tonight to the table. Nothing between my soul and the Savior. It's a city song, but it's a Bible truth. Make sure you're pure before the Lord. I share this every time we come to the Lord's table. I've been doing it now for years and years and years. Some of you could tell this story better than I could tell it because you've heard me tell it so many times. The first time I went to Romania, they were going to take the Lord's Supper. Uh, Let me dare say their, their cup has a little more kick to it than ours does. If you know what I mean. And I asked them, I said, how did you start taking the Lord's Supper out of communism? It was difficult. Dr. Negroot shared with me, he said, the most powerful Lord's Supper he ever heard about was the invisible Lord's Supper. He said some of our brothers were put in prison. He said they decided to have the Lord's Supper one day. And one of the men said, just in your mind, he said, I tore the bread and passed it. He said, of course, there was nothing in my hand. And we passed it around the circle and everybody tore off a piece. He said, now take, eat, this is my body. They had nothing to put in their mouth, but it was a memorial. They remembered. He said, then I poured the cup and poured the cup. He said, but the first time we had the real Lord's Supper, We invited people from all over the region to come. It was communism had been broken. We could now meet, but it was still hard. And we invited our friends from Moldova in the north to come across the border into Romania and join us at the table. When I first started going there in the 90s, it was hard to get across the border. Out of Hungary, we would come in. Sometimes take you an hour to get across the border. They read your passport, just aggravate you, make you sit over there and wait and make a phone call, go smoke a cigarette. And finally, they let you through. But in those early, early days, you could go to prison if you said the wrong thing coming in. And so the brothers from Moldova got closer and closer. They didn't know what they were going to say when asked, why are you coming into the country? And one of the God said, I believe the Lord's given me a word. And when they asked, let me answer. And when he got there, they asked him, said, tell us why you want to come into the country. And this was his word. He said, our elder brother has died. And our father has called a family meeting. 
to discuss our inheritance. And that is why we are gathering in Romania. <laughs> well, our elder brother has died. His name's King Jesus. This is him right here. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus died. He's our elder brother. And the Father's called us all together to discuss our inheritance. Friend, if you go into heaven when you die, you're not going there because you earned it. You're going there because somebody gave it to you. you you've inherited it. You didn't earn it. And so the Father is called a family meeting, and that's what the gathering is when you come to the Lord's table. It's a family meeting about our elder brother, Death, talking about our inheritance on the other side. Glory be unto God. And they told me there had never been another Lord's Supper like that in all the time they'd been there when God brought them together and they gathered around the table. You know, tonight we'll take it, we just take it for granted. It could cost their life. They tear that bread. They drink that cup. And they do that in remembrance of Jesus. Never forget the victory of the cross. Never forget the unity of the church. And never forget the purity of the Christian, that you are clean, that there's nothing between your soul and the Savior. Tonight, don't be late. We'll start at 5.30 and we'll sing and there's going to be great music, multi-gen choir, wonderful testimonies, and uh, I'll preach just a little, not five minutes. We're going to let the table talk. Amen. We'll ordain deacons. and We'll have a great time together. But before we get there, if you don't know him, I'd invite you to come. I was at that reunion looking around at all them old people. Some of us got to talking about the Jesus movement. And some in our class still lost, but others, God changed their life. One old boy, Philip, in the military, traveled all over the world. He, he told me, he said, I've been in three or four different places. He said, everywhere I'd go, they'd say, where are you from? He'd say, Pisgah. He said, some reason a chaplains would say, do you know Ted Trailer? He said, it's amazing. We'd have that connection. I knew them through seminary or whatever. God had changed their lives. The question is, has he changed yours? Do you know him? Don't dare come to this tape until you know you're saved. And there's nothing between your soul and the Savior.